Once again, great to see everybody here this morning. My name is Joe Crummy, one of the elders here of Christ Central Church. And this morning, I'm filling in for Brent. So uh, Brent Smith uh, was supposed to speak this morning. He was going to continue on our series in Matthew into chapter 5. Uh, but uh, last night, he came down with the flu. And so he is out of commission uh, this morning. So he gets stuck with me. And to, I'll be, uh, this is confession time. Uh, it was about 11.30 last night, and after uh, a busy week and the men's weekend, which was excellent, uh, I had nothing, okay? And so I thought, well, I'll get a good sleep, and hopefully God will give me a dream, and I'll know what to speak on in the morning, and um, sleep wasn't uh, enough, and I had other dreams, but nothing that I could put together of any semblance of God speaking to me, and so here I was this morning, and I was going through and uh, I just said, well, I'd rather go with what's stirring in my heart than just to pick out a message that you've already heard before anyways and just do it for the sake of doing it. So for our men who were with us yesterday, you're going to get a repeat performance, okay? So we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. And uh, for those of you who were there yesterday, you get ready because maybe you're going to be able to pray for people at the end, all right? So you can get uh, primed to be able to serve in that way. And... For this weekend, we're just talking about really how important uh, the Holy Spirit is in our lives, whether we know that or not, and we, sometimes we're not, you know, before we're even a Christian, we don't even know about the Holy Spirit or what he does or anything, but the Holy Spirit's the one who draws us to Jesus, he reveals who Jesus is, and I couldn't help but think uh, Andy shared uh, at the end there, and when Andy says this is a song, the reason why Andy says that is because Andy writes songs, Andy McIsaac, but if he were to sing them, you would not understand them, okay? Because Andy's genre of music is a whole different thing from probably 99.9%. And so he's a bit more into on his guitar, and we would need an interpretation for what he <laughs> says, because it's a whole different thing. So Andy's being polite when he says, this is a song, and then he reads it out. That's for our benefit, all right? But Andy's a great songwriter. And it just struck me, you know, as Andy was really expressing his heart in that, the answer, the answer to that heart expression is the Holy Spirit. And so that heart cry of, God, I want to live for you. I want to know what to do. I want to walk in your way. It's a great heart cry, but the answer always comes back to this. The Holy Spirit is the one who's the answer to that. Okay? So this morning, we want to take a look at the Holy Spirit, who he is, what he does. And as he leads us to Jesus, as we put our faith in Jesus, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. And then he wants to fill us to empower us to be like Jesus. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. So we're going to read a few different scriptures. So we're going to depart from Mark, and hopefully Brent will be able to share next week. And we're going to pick up from the Gospel of Luke. And Luke, a physician, doc, doctor, wrote these accounts both in Luke, and he also wrote, inspired by the Holy Spirit, the book of Acts. So we're going to read the very last bit of the chapter in Luke 24, and then we're going to go right into Acts chapter 1, because they're the end of one book and into the next book. And this is what Luke writes and here he's talking about, um, this is after Jesus' resurrection. So Jesus died on the cross, and his followers have scattered, and they denied Jesus. They were in fear because they couldn't believe what was happening. And then Jesus, they heard, rose from the dead, but they're like a bit skeptical. Is that true? Is that just a story? And we pick up the story after the resurrection about Jesus appearing to his disciples. And it says, so the disciples are gathered together, and they're discussing, you know, we've heard, is it true that Jesus really 
is the resurrection true? We're not sure. And this is where we pick up the story. It says, as they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace to you. No kidding, right? They saw Jesus die on the cross, buried in the tomb, and the next thing, Jesus is there. No wonder he has to say, peace to you. But they were startled, no kidding, and frightened. And they thought they saw a spirit. They thought they saw a ghost. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do you doubt? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands, my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy, so that's interesting, and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it before them. So that's a whole message itself on Jesus coming back in bodily form, that he wasn't just a spirit. Then Jesus said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So that's the end of Luke, and we go right into the book of Acts. So this is Luke writing again. In the first book, which we just read from, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John the Baptist baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Okay, so we're going to start this morning by looking at this whole thing that Jesus talked about, the promise of the Father. And what he's referring to is we go back into the Old Testament, and we went a bit more detail yesterday, but we don't have as much time here this morning, is we see that God came upon certain people, okay, and he came upon people like Moses, who was a great leader, and the Holy Spirit came upon Moses and enabled him to be a leader and to lead, you know, a couple million of people. And he came upon guys like Gideon, and Gideon was just a guy, he was hiding out in a well, okay, he was down because he was scared of his enemies, and God came to him, an angel came to him and said, Gideon, I'm going to call you, you're going to rise up, you're going to be a great leader, and you're going to help free your people, and Gideon's like, ah, oh, God, you don't really know who I am because I'm the weakest in my clan and I'm a nobody, and the Holy Spirit came upon him and enabled him to be a leader, and we go through, same thing happened to Samson, it says the Holy Spirit came and rushed upon Samson, the Holy Spirit came upon Samson and gave him great strength. And we can go through. And David was anointed with the Holy Spirit to be king. And it says, and these other ones, it says they clothed with the Holy Spirit. But the problem was, it was only for certain people. So usually just for like kings who were leaders 
Okay, just for like some of the priests to serve God, some of the prophets to speak, this is what God is saying. And it was usually only for a certain task, and it was only usually for a certain amount of time. So we read, the Holy Spirit came upon him, but then the Holy Spirit left again. And when the Holy Spirit left, they were just like your average person again. It couldn't really do very much. But we see in the Old Testament, this whole sort of foreshadowing, pointing the way forward, that a new day is going to come when the Holy Spirit's going to be available to everybody. And we have this thing in Numbers 11. You can read it. And Moses, okay, was anointed with the Holy Spirit. That, you know, he had the Holy Spirit upon him to be a great leader. And he got overwhelmed with the just gigantic task of overseeing these people. And they said to Moses, you need to find some other people. You need to find other guys to help you lead. And so that's what they did. So they picked 70 guys and... God said to Moses, the same spirit that's on you, I'm going to put on these 70. So gather them together, and that's what they did. So they gathered together, God came, he put his spirit on these 70 guys, and they began to prophesy, and they were different. But two guys didn't show up. But because they were part of the 70, even though they weren't physically there, the Holy Spirit came upon them as well. And Joshua, who was the assistant to Moses, heard these other two guys were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they were out prophesying, and he was quite upset. Okay, because Moses is the lead guy. Who are these guys? And they weren't even there. So he said to Moses, should we like stop them? And Moses said, no. He said, Joshua, don't you know? He says, I wish that God would pour out his spirit on everybody. And that's a foreshadowing of God's heart, of what God wants. Because he wanted his spirit, not just on some leaders and kings and prophets and priests, on everybody. And he began to give all these promises in the Old Testament. I'll just give you some different scriptures you can read there. And God began to give promises to his people. And the promises all kind of went something like this. Okay? A time is coming. It'll be a new day. I'm going to make a new covenant. I'm going to make a new relationship, a new way. And it's going to be something like this. I'm going to give you a new heart. And I'm going to put a new spirit within you. And all the Ten Commandments and all the things that you know are right, but you don't have any power to follow them. I'm going to give you a spirit that's going to write those things on your heart, and it's going to empower you to follow me and to obey me, and and all those things bring glory to me. And that's what God began to promise. And we can see it all the way through what the Bible calls the major prophets, even the minor prophets. And we read these things in Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. This whole new day is coming. And it's building faith, and it's building expectation. And we read this one from the prophet Joel. And he says this, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Even on my male and female servants in those days will I pour out my spirit. And so if you remember back in Matthew, we were starting it, it says, when John the Baptist came, people were full of expectation. Is this the Christ, because everything was centered on when the Christ comes, it'll bring in a whole new thing. And that's where John the Baptist was like, hey, no, it's not me, but it's coming. He's coming. And he pointed to Jesus and said, this is the guy. So you can see why they're full of expectation. And as Gary talked about a few weeks ago, 400 years went by, really, where God was silent. And the people were longing, we need the presence of God. And we find the answer is always found in the person of Jesus. That when Jesus came, so Jesus, his title was the Christ, which means the anointed one. So in the Old Testament, again, 
Kings were anointed with oil, recognizing God's chosen, and God's spirit came upon them. And we read this later on in Acts. Luke says this, We see how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. What a great verse. And we see that Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit. And here's a really, really important thing for us to understand. Because we can, we can think this, okay? We think, well, of course, Jesus was the Son of God. He was perfect. And so everything Jesus did, how he healed people, how he brought good teaching, all that, that was so unique because Jesus was perfect and none of us could ever live up to that. And, he, you know, he was the chosen one. And there's a part of that that is true. But the Bible says this about Jesus. Even though he was fully God, remember he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, but he was fully human as well. He was born through Mary. And yes, he was unique. But it says this, that Jesus laid aside his divinity okay, to become weak. And what does that mean? Was he, did he lay aside being God? No. But Jesus had access to power, and he had access because he was fully God, and he chose not to use that power while here on earth. And instead, he chose to rely on being anointed and filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you follow me on that? That's why that verse is so, God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power. So Jesus could have done all those things because he was God, but actually, because he was also human, fully God, fully human, he laid aside, I'm not going to use these powers And I'm going to be anointed with the Holy Spirit because it says he learned obedience as a son because he had to become like us. And everything he did was actually through the power of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the living God. So it's really, really important because that gives us a lot of hope because we're going to see the same Spirit that was on Jesus Christ is now available to us. So that should raise your faith to go, whoo, wait a minute here. So maybe I don't have to just live a defeated life And you think, well, Jesus, high up in the pedestal as he should be, but Jesus was so unique, I could never live like that. Well, you might need to rethink about that one. Because the same Holy Spirit is available to us today. And Jesus was anointed, filled with the Holy Spirit. The other key thing about Jesus, about who he was and his purpose for coming, was John the Baptist prepared the way for Jesus. And John the Baptist said two things about what Jesus would do. So in John chapter 1, you can read it. John's baptizing people by the Jordan. Jesus comes along, and John the Baptist says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So let's just focus on that one for a minute. He's saying, Jesus, Lamb of God, who's going to take away the sins of the world. John identified the purpose of Jesus coming. Because in the Old Testament, we see how Sin and Adam and Eve back in the garden, how they disobeyed God, how sin comes, and out of rebellion and heart and thinking that we can be better than God and thinking that we can have it our own way, how that brings destruction to our lives. It ruins our relationship with God. It ruins our relationship with each other. And that whole self-centeredness and thinking I'm no better than God and I want it my way brings death. Spiritually, physically, emotionally, every way. And from that point on, We're still dealing with it today, living in a fallen world. And God established a way in the Old Testament through a sacrificial system that he set up with his people of Israel 
that they would take lambs, they would cut the throat, blood would be poured out, this perfect lamb. And you think, man, the injustice of this poor, cute little lamb. What does this lamb ever do? But justice penalty had to be paid. And how we talked about before, Leviticus 16, on the Day of Atonement, one time a year, all the people would gather, and that's through this priestly system that we don't have time to explain in detail, how there's a great, there was a high priest who once a year went into the Holy of Holies, went into that tent or the tabernacle or the temple to meet with God, and how they had two goats, and the first goat, perfect goat again, innocent, was the sacrifice. And they kill the goat, and he take the blood in on the mercy seat of God for the forgiveness of sins. There had to be a price, and God set it up that blood was the price to be paid for the penalty for our sin. And he would do it for himself as, a per, as the priest. He'd do it for the people. And then the second goat, another innocent, perfectly innocent goat, he'd take the goat, he'd lay his hands on the goat, and he'd confess the sins and all the wrongdoings and things that had been done over the goat. And then he'd take the goat out to the desert, and they'd let the goat go free. And that goat was the scapegoat. And that's where we get the term scapegoat. You didn't know it was a biblical term, did you? And it was showing physically a picture of God taking and removing our guilt and shame and hurt and removing it and taking it away. And those are the two things. Okay? And then there's other sacrifices with the lamb. Okay? And that's the whole thing to do with Exodus and Moses bringing the people out and the lamb was slain and the blood was put over the doorpost. And if you had the blood over the doorpost, God protected you. So all those things in the Old Testament point to Jesus. That Jesus now, John the Baptist says, He's the Lamb of God. That He's going to die. His blood's going to be shed. And if we're in Christ and we believe in Him, His blood covers us and we go free. Just as God brought His people out in the Old Testament out of Egypt. And He's also, the Bible says, our substitute. That first goat that was killed, He's our substitute. He substituted Himself. He who was perfect, who knew no sin, who was innocent, took our place on the cross. Just as we were singing about this morning. And he was our scapegoat. God put on him all the guilt, shame, pain, anger, everything, the wrath of God, and he took it away. He was crucified outside the city. He was the scapegoat. So it's absolutely important, okay? And I just believe there's some here this morning who are saying, God, if you really love me, why have I had such a horrible life? How could you allow these things to happen? What proof is there that you love me? And as we're singing that song this morning, just God stirring my heart again to say, okay, if you look at the cross, okay, the answer, if you're asking that here this morning and your heart cry, the answer is you look 2,000 years ago and God's answer to you, this is what I did. I sent my one and only son, my innocent son, and I put him on the cross in your place. And the sin that you should die for was put on him. And all the hurt and shame, all the wrongdoings that have been done to you, he also took those things. And the Bible says, but by his wounds, by his stripes, you are healed. So not only are you forgiven, which is like a legal thing, okay, it goes beyond legal, it goes experiential, that you can be healed your heart can be healed as well. Okay? And Andrew shared a story yesterday. 
okay, about his childhood and all those things, all the wrongs done to him, but how we have a healing God through Jesus Christ. Okay, that's a remarkable story of what Jesus has done. So John the Baptist said, this is Jesus, the Lamb of God. He's going to take away your sins, both in forgiving them in a legal way, but he's also going to take away the hurt and the pain and all those things. The second thing he said is this, and sometimes in Christianity we can forget the second one. He also said this, he's the one who's going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is the one that as he paid the penalty on the cross, as he gave his life, he did that to lay down his life for you to be forgiven. But he also did this by dying on the cross. He allowed and now is given access to the Spirit of God to be poured out on all people who put their faith in Jesus Christ. He ushers in a whole new era, a whole new covenant. So Jesus, so sometimes we can think the whole thing, we're talking about yesterday, the controversy, baptism of the Spirit, fill the Spirit, what does that mean? Some people believe this and some people believe that and it's easier just not to talk about it. We have to talk about it because Jesus accomplished on the cross not only our forgiveness of sins, but for us to have access to be filled with the Holy Spirit. They go hand in hand. He's the Lamb of God. He's the one who baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. And we miss out. It must grieve God. It must grieve God to have Christians maybe wondering, does God really love me? Am I saved? I don't feel like I have any power. I have no victory. All these things that the Holy Spirit has come to do for us. God doesn't just want to save us and then forget about us. Okay? Part of being saved is he brings us into the family of God. He wants us to know that God is our Abba Father. He wants us not to have any father issues whatsoever. He wants you to know that you know that you know. That you can cry out, Dad, and know that God loves you. Okay? He wants you to be enabled and filled with power. He wants you to have fruit. He wants you to have spiritual gifts. And Jesus accomplished those things by dying on the cross. Okay? Redemption includes being filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the bottom line. So it's not just that you're saved and legally I'm right before God, but then get along and we'll see you in heaven someday. No, it's not that at all. He says now you're brought into the kingdom of God. Now you are different. Legally you're different. As Gary read out this morning, you've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, to the kingdom of his Son, there's a legal truth. Whether you feel it or not, it's true. But then there's an experiential part as well. That he wants you to know that you've got a new power source. You've got a new life source. When we read this, Paul says this in Galatians 3, 13 and 14. He says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. And so Paul's saying, the cross isn't the end of things. Actually, it's only the beginning. That yes, you're made right with God, you're justified, you're given Christ's righteousness, all those incredible great truths. But it's also come true that the promise to Abraham that all the nations would be blessed through him, that line to Jesus, that Everyone, not just Jews, but everyone might receive the spirit of the living God. And the incredible thing is, as we talked about yesterday, 
okay? I said, in my imagination, okay, if anyone asked me, you know, if there's anyone in history that you could meet, who would it be? Jesus, easy answer, okay? I don't, I said, yeah, I don't know why everyone doesn't say Jesus, okay? If you read the gospel, you're like, man, I'd hang out with Jesus. So I was like, give me three weeks with Jesus, like back then, and then I'd really believe. I'd really, 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 really be a follower of Jesus Christ, because I would see miracles, and I'd see the dead being raised, and I'd see water turn into wine, I'd see the feeding of the 5,000, and I'd see incredible teaching, I'd see people delivered from demons, and I'd see it all right there, tangibly, and I'm like, I'd be completely convinced I'm with this guy. And yet the disciples were with Jesus three years, and they experienced all of that. But when Jesus was put to the cross, they ran away. These tough fishermen denied Jesus. You're like, what's going on there? And the reality is, Jesus said to his disciples on the night before he was going to go to the cross, because he didn't really talk much about the Holy Spirit up until he knew he was leaving. And he said to the disciples, okay, boys, here's the deal. Okay, it's better for you that I go away. And they're just like, Jesus, wait, 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 time out, 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 okay, we're having food, we're enjoying things, things are going well, did you just say you're leaving? And they panic, like, what, what do you mean you're leaving? And Jesus say, oh, I'm leaving, but actually, I'm not, a, it's better for you that I go. And they're like, we don't get that. They didn't actually get it till it all happened in Acts. Can you imagine, Jesus, why are you going? Jesus saying, well, it's actually better for you because right now I can only be in one place at one time. So when I'm in Jerusalem, I can't be in Capernaum. When I'm there, I can't be there. Okay. But, and we're going to read it, you look at some of these verses in John 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. He says, I'm going to send another one just like me, and he's going to be your helper. Let me just read quickly a couple of verses. Jesus said in John 14, I'll ask the Father... And he will give you another helper. The Holy Spirit's just like Jesus. To be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And he goes and he begins to tell all the things that the Holy Spirit's going to do. He's going to remember, he's going to remind you of Jesus. He's going to reveal truth to you. He's going to tell you about things in the future. He's going to be your helper, your counselor, your comforter. He's going to be your advocate. He's going to be your lawyer. He said, it's better that I go. Because, this is yesterday, when Frank goes back to Malawi, guess what? Jesus is with him because he has the Holy Spirit. Okay? And when he goes back there, okay, we had eight nations represented at our men's weekend. Can you believe it? Our little group, we had eight nations represent it and that the holy spirit's upon christians now because jesus is gone so that we have the same holy spirit that wherever we go whether it's in middle school and high school umb stew community college whether it's in our mom's group wherever we go business wherever you go now jesus is with you so jesus in a sense is everywhere that his people are what great news Okay, quickly moving along. Jesus also said this, that you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And if we get an idea of what the mission of God is for us, 
that Jesus wants us to become like him. He wants us to think like Jesus. He wants our character. He wants our heart motivation. He wants our actions to be like Jesus. He wants us to go into all the world and make disciples and tell people about Jesus. Now, folks, when we're honest with ourselves about that, and we really get that, doesn't that make you cry out, Help! Okay, Jesus, you want to be me like you. And part of it's like, man, you know my heart. I'm a lot different from you. And in my motivation sometimes, even for doing good, isn't really good. And then sometimes the good I should do, I don't do. And sometimes the things I should do, I don't do. And I do things I shouldn't do. And, you know, that confusing whole thing. And, but you want us to go to the nations, man. I can't even go to my neighbor, okay? And you begin to be overwhelmed with the immensity of the task. And it makes you go like, I need help. And Jesus says, yes, you do. And what's one of the words for the Holy Spirit? We just read it. He's our helper. And we begin to realize that we need power. We need power. And that word power, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Okay? It's like dynamite power, but it's this. It's an enabling power. And folks, this is really important that you understand this. Okay? You can be filled with the Holy Spirit, and God knows your personality. And you know some of you are shy and introverted, and some of you are bold and extroverted, and some of you are zealous, and some of you are a bit more passive. Okay? You can receive an enabling by the power of the Holy Spirit that doesn't automatically make you a superman and that you're going to go out preaching in the streets. And Because sometimes we think, man, if I was really filled with the Holy Spirit, then I would do all these radical things. You might, but a lot of times we disqualify ourselves. Oh, that's not me. Okay? I can see Gary doing that because Gary's Gary, and Gary can go do it, and stuff will happen, and that's great, but that will never happen to me. And we disqualify ourselves. Folks, that's not what it's about. Okay? It's an enabling a dynamic enabling. It's the power of the Holy Spirit for you to be a witness with your own personality, where you are, and you're, where God's placed you, in your neighborhood, in your vocation, in your calling right now. And we said it all begins at home. And we challenged the men yesterday. Okay, your first witness is those closest to you. So if you're married, your wife, and your kids. That's your first witnesses. And we can think, well, I'm going to be a witness out there, and we don't even be a witness in our own home. So our first witnesses are those closest around us. It's our co-workers. It's maybe our extended family. It's our teammates. And it's God equipping and empowering you to be a witness wherever you are with your own personality, with he doesn't completely transform you to be somebody that you're not. He works with who you are, but you are different and you're empowered to be a witness. So that might be sharing your faith by sometimes, hey, this is what God's done in my life. Here's what God's doing. Hey, all these different things. It might be sometimes... Okay, not doing something, you feel like getting revenge, and the Holy Spirit says, that's not for you to do. That's being enabled. In your anger, do not sin. That's being enabled. Okay? That's the power of the Holy Spirit to be a witness, both in word and in deed. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Okay, quickly, Holy Spirit in Acts, we see all kinds of different examples. Don't have time to go through them, I'm sorry. Okay? The bottom line is this. People, this always came first. People, it says, Jesus said, repentance okay, and forgiveness of sins has to be preached to all the nations. So in order for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you need to come to Jesus and be, become a Christian first. 
And we've had many times, even in this church, people have seen a change in somebody, like, I want what they have. Pray for me. I'm like, well, actually, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? No, I just want that. Well, you can't get that unless you know him. And in the book of Acts, we see the same thing. People heard about Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of, our, of the world, takes away my sin, okay? All those gets us right with God, all those things. And we repent, we confess our sins, we turn from what's wrong, we turn to Jesus. He puts his spirit within us, he saves us, okay? He gives us new life. Now, when he does that, we see different examples in Acts that sometimes that happens. We're baptized in water that shows we're identified, and afterwards, we get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Sometimes, like Peter and Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, people put their faith in Jesus Christ, repent from their sins, and they're baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit, and then they get baptized in water later. That repentance and faith always comes first. Sometimes people are baptized in water, and later they're filled with the Holy Spirit. There's great variety in it, but repentance and faith always comes first. We have to be born again in order to be filled with the Holy Spirit. What's the purpose? I already said, we've got sonship adoption. We have assurance of salvation. Okay. We as Christians, God knows because of sin, our identity crisis, and we don't know what our purpose is, and all those things. The Holy Spirit comes and brings clarity to all those things. We know who we belong to. I'm a child of God. I know what my purpose is. Okay, I might not know what my job is and all those things, but I know what my purpose is, is to glorify God and to make disciples of all nations. And he gives us incredible peace. He anoints us to live like Jesus, so we're empowered for all those things. We get power from on high, because we're now ambassadors. Okay? All those things that we just talked about. And the Bible says that we go on being filled. Paul gave this command in the book of Ephesians. Okay, Once you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you go on being filled. It's a continuous thing that we keep asking to be filled. And we realize that when we're spirit-filled, that we're in this together as community, and spirit-filled people make for a spirit-filled church. And we can't be a spirit-filled church if we don't have people who are filled with the Holy Spirit. But you being filled with the Holy Spirit isn't just a personal thing. It's a corporate thing. They go together. Okay, those are all messages in themselves. This is what I just want to end with. Okay, is this morning... question is, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? We read yesterday from Acts chapter 19 that Paul went to some believers in Ephesus, and he was with them for a little while, and he asked them this question. Hmm, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they're like, we hadn't even heard there was a Holy Spirit. And so Paul explained to them more. And then he laid hands on them, and they were filled with with the Holy Spirit. They were clothed with power from on high. So the question is this morning, is are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Baptized means are you drenched, immersed, and those check marks of things. Okay, and I was telling somebody my story yesterday that God did this in me. No one prayed for me. It, God sovereignly did it. I didn't even have the theology to understand what happened. It wasn't until a couple years later that I went, oh, as someone explained to me, that's what happened to me on Easter night back in 1994. When all my Christian life, I believe I was a Christian, I honestly, when I was lying in bed at night going, God, are you really real? And I prayed the prayer, I don't know how many times to become a Christian because I wasn't sure it took back there. 
So I prayed it probably 10 times over 10 years because I wasn't quite sure and I was always kind of questioning and I was ashamed of the gospel. I never told anyone about Jesus. I knew I should, but I just was defeated. I just didn't, I couldn't do it. And that night, God met me and I believe now, I know it was, he filled me with the Holy Spirit and I had the most incredible assurance ever that God's my Father and that God loves me. And I was filled with incredible peace. I could have floated that night. And God gave me a boldness that I went out of that room that night and I'm like, I don't care who knows I'm a Christian. I'm telling everybody. (laughs) And the check marks were there. And folks, as Lisa had that prophetic word about writing the test, the key is it's not dependent on my performance. All those examples in the book of Acts, they never had to work to get right. Paul or Saul, okay, he was persecuting Christians. He was killing Christians. And God met him and God saved him. And he could have said to Saul, Saul, because of all the wrong things you've done, you've got to work hard for 10 years to get earn to get right with me before I'll give you my spirit. He gave him his spirit. So the key thing is not on our performance. It's on where's Jesus. And Jesus is now at the right hand of the Father. He's been given the Holy Spirit to give. So we focus on Jesus and not on our performance. And really, are we thirsty? And if you're thirsty here this morning, the answer is this. For some of you, okay, you don't know Jesus. Okay, you don't know him as Lord and Savior. And you've got to come to Jesus and you've got to recognize what he's done on the cross for you. You have to understand what it is that he's the Lamb of God who takes away our sin. And we come to Jesus and as we help you with that and understanding and God brings conviction of sins and you are born again, then we can pray for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Some of you are Christians, and maybe some of you have never had that experience. I believe I was saved in my teens, that God saved me. I knew Jesus as Lamb of God. I didn't know Jesus as the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. And he wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit. He does not want you. It's God. It's not the Father's heart for you to be questioning, am I saved? Does God really love me? Okay? It doesn't mean that we don't have trials and doubt and things like that. But fundamentally, okay, we should have that peace inside and know that God loves me, and that we should have boldness to be a witness. And it doesn't mean you don't ever have fear and all that, but you work through it because you're like, I know God's with me, and I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to put myself out there, and I'm going to trust God's going to do something. So we come to Jesus. We ask. We drink, and we receive. And sometimes we go through these things. We doubt. It's for everybody else, but it's not for me. It's fear like, oh, if I ask, maybe God will make me fall down or he'll make me do something that, uh, you know, I'm spooked out about or whatever. And sometimes you're just like, yeah, you know, whatever. It's for everybody else, but I don't really believe it's for me. And Jesus came in Luke 11. He said to his disciples, hey, guys, you're evil. And you know how to give good gifts to your kids. How much more my Father in heaven gives good gifts to those who ask. And he kept saying, ask, seek, knock. And if you ask for bread, he's not going to give you a scorpion or a snake. He's not going to try to trick you. Okay? He's a good father. He's going to give you good gifts. And he'll give. And he says, how much more if you ask for the Holy Spirit? He's a good dad. And folks, really, as I come back to what Andy said at the beginning, okay, the, being filled with the Holy Spirit is the gateway to everything. It's a gateway to Okay, victory over sin. It's a gateway to knowing God more. It's a gateway to reading your Bible and it leaping off the page. It's the gateway for you to be able to pray. It's the gateway for you to be able to share your faith. It's the gateway for you to have the fruit of the Spirit. It's the gateway for you to have gifts of the Spirit. 
It's such a vital thing. And I wholeheartedly believe, really, this is one of the main things in our church in North America that we've missed, is the importance of what Jesus did on the cross in preaching the forgiveness of sins, but also preaching that he wants us to be baptized and filled with his spirit. And Jesus has accomplished that. He accomplished the first part when he died on the cross and he was resurrected. He accomplished the second part when he ascended back to the Father in heaven. And now he's at the Father's right hand and he gives the Holy Spirit without measure, without limit to those who ask. I just want to lead us in prayer. Maybe Gary will help facilitate just transitioning here. Okay, let's stand if you're able. So we want to be able to pray for people here this morning. Okay, and maybe you're thirsty. Maybe you're desperate. Okay, maybe you came in this morning and you didn't even know, but now your heart's burning because God's speaking to you and stirring you to want to receive. Okay, we want to give an opportunity to be able to pray. So I want to lead us in a prayer, and then Gary will give us some direction on how we can pray for each other. Okay? So Father in heaven, we thank you this morning again for your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that he is our Lord and Savior. We thank you that you gave it all in your son. And we thank you that he went to the cross. He was obedient to you. He paid the price on the cross. That he took away our sin and our guilt and our shame. And he gives us us right standing with you. And we thank you that he's now ascended He's the King of kings and Lord of lords, seated at the right hand of the Father, that he gives the Holy Spirit. He baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. And God, we're so grateful, we're so thankful, Jesus, for salvation, and that you didn't leave us as orphans, but you came to live with us. And I just ask now, Holy Spirit, would you come and you stir hearts? Would you come and bring people and lead them to Jesus to know Jesus as Lord and Savior? as the Lamb of God, who takes away their sins. And God, for people who are thirsty here this morning, for Christians maybe have never been filled with the Holy Spirit, I pray that you would draw them, that they would come to you, Jesus, that they would drink of living water, God, and that you would immerse them with your Holy Spirit, that they would know you as Father, and that they would be bold witnesses for you. Lord, that we would be a Spirit-filled community. God, come and lead us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.